Alright guys, we're back again today, and honestly, this one is a little bit more different route than we have already done, so just that bear with us. <laughs> bear with us, okay? We're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons, also commonly known as D&D. &D. We're not going to go super in-depth, hopefully, but I don't know because, you know, Nanasi's kind of like a nuthead with it. Hey, 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 hey. So, we all right. Enthusiast. All right, guys. Let's let's continue with the game over start reviews on D&D. My phone just like slid off the bed. All right, I personally have to say right off the bat, I think D&D &D is a good way to help people with social anxiety get out of their little shell so that you can be more productive in the everyday world. Dinosaur? Sometimes there's dinosaurs. But the important thing is if you know someone that needs to come out of the shell so that they can be more productive... Start by getting them the D&D &D Player's Handbook. And why is that such a good idea? Well, it helps someone to understand the game because it has the basic rules, but then it also has a little section in there that you read it and it says uh, these are guidelines, not actual rules. What's a different type of dice? Okay, you're jumping subjects here. How? Okay, you went from talking about how the book is important to, you know, Well, dice. I mean, when I think of a player handbook, I mean, don't I need to know what kind of dice I need to buy before I buy this handbook? No, because you buy the handbook first. Well, what if I want to get the handbook and the dice at the same time? You start slow. What if I don't you want start to start slow? slow? You Come start on, slow. man. I don't want to start slow. You don't even want to play the game. Yeah. I don't Every want time to. you build a character, you never play it. At least I know how to build a character. Really? How do you build a character? By looking at the book or going online, clicking in, doop, 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 and then bam, character built. No, see, you missed the whole point of the Player's Handbook. Yes, there's some good apps out there, and there's some good websites that help you build characters as well, but the Player's Handbook is a good starting position, which means if you're not advanced in the game, just stick with the basic races. Once you stick with them, you're good to go for a while. What's a Dungeon Master? He's the guy that does the entire scenario so that you can do your adventure. But to be able to do, have a DM, or also known as a dungeon master, you have to know the handbook, right? You don't have to know the handbook. You just need the handbook. But... If you've got a question, ask your DM. The reason is, as I was saying earlier... The handbook tells you the rules, but they're not set in stone because the DM can decide, 
hey, you can do this instead of that. But what if you don't know what dice you need to buy to play your campaign after you get the handbook? What dice do I need? It's in the book. Well, tell me. It's just easy to buy one dice set. Well, tell me all the different kinds in uh, case someone wanted to... Just give to... me a moment. Mm, I don't know about that. You've got the D4. What's that for? For rolling a D4. Yeah, but what do you roll the D4 for? This depends. Like, different things have different things. Okay. So... Do you want to know the dice names, or do you want to keep interrupting me? Mm, both. No. Mm, come on. No. Mm, come on. Dinosaur. No. Okay. So you got a D4. Mm, do you have a D6? Yes. Do you have a D12? Okay, you're skipping dice. Which one did I skip? It goes D4, mm -hmm. D6, mm -hmm. a D8. Mm, I missed the D8. Mm. A D10. Oh, I missed the D10 too. You got the D12. Mm. I got that one. And a D20. And the D20 is the one you can get the nat 1, right? Yes. What's a nat 1? It's a 1. That means you naturally fell. I guess I... Always rolling that one then for life. More like when you're trying to pay attention to something. So, what else do you have to say about D and D? That you don't know squat about it, and I do, and you're trying to butt in on my conversation. Dinosaur. Mm, you can't call dinosaur on this. Okay, so basically, once you get the player's handbook and you have the dice, you can use the D6s to roll your character stats. Okay, now what's the character stat? I'm getting to that. But I have to ask questions. No, you really don't. Ooh. Once I stop talking, then you can start asking questions. Otherwise, it gets me off track, and I don't remember where I'm talking at. You were talking about a D6 and character stats. D6s. Yeah. Okay. So, your character has strength, constitution, dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Now, each one of these affects your skills that you have. There's a little list on a piece of paper that's your character sheet, okay? And it has the different skills you could do. Now, sometimes, if you're a more advanced player like I am, you make up your own skills, but you have to get your DM's permission. I have a question. What? Dinosaur? No. No. When you're playing in a campaign, can you play more than one character at once? Or is that not wise? Uh, depends on the DM. Some DMs allow it, others frown upon it. What would you say they would frown upon it? Because then you're basically running 
two people at one time that know exactly what the other one's going to do. So therefore, you could set up combo attacks. Because when you're playing normally, unless you spend a round to talk to someone about what you're going to do next, then you don't know what the other person's going to do. So, you would be moving along like super fast. Okay, well I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get this character over here to do that. See, that's why some DMs are okay with it. And other DMs don't like it because sometimes you try to build a relationship between those two characters so that you can try to start a family in the campaign. Okay, I got a question about that then. Okay. What if, first say, you had someone that was super shy and that could not talk and you were playing their character for them till they were comfortable enough to actually join into the campaign? Okay. You wouldn't be really playing their character. They would have to be there, and you could suggest things that they could do. But what if they couldn't talk? Like, what if they couldn't, like, speak in front of a group of people? Like, how many people are even in a D&D group? What's the minimum? Minimum? Yeah. Two. So just the dungeon master and the no. one person? Or no. are you talking about the dungeon master and two people? The number of characters is two. And then you have the dungeon master. Is it possible to do a campaign with only two people? Yes. Is it fun, though? Depends on how much story play is put into the actual campaign. Okay, and then I have another question. A follow-up. Alright, Miss Reporter. Are you ready? Dinosaur. Okay. I lost my question. See? It went to the land of lost. Dinosaurs? Yes, we know. I gotta think about it. Continue. (sighs) Stupid question. Leaving my mind. Uh, Now, once you get comfortable enough with your regular character, and you get further along in the campaign, sometimes your character dies. And you have to rebuild a new character to bring into the session. Is that hard? It can be. Is it fun, though? Here's the thing. If you've already been doing the campaign, and you're not happy with your character, find a way for it to die to not look like you're doing it on purpose. And then you can rebuild a character that you would know would go great for the campaign that you're currently in. And that could make it more interesting for you. Is there more than just the player handbook? Oh, yes. There's a lot of books out there. And what does each one of the books do? Do you know? Like, are there campaigns? Are they just... Characters? Are they just adding on to the player handbook? What are they doing? Come on, man. You're leaving me in the dark. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are more campaigns that you can run if you're a DM, but there are some monsters and uh, playable characters within certain books. So, basically, if 
a dungeon master is running a campaign, but you don't have a character and you would like to play a character just to see if you like it, sometimes they will give you an NPC or a non-player character. Hmm, just like the NPCs in my system. The the ones that just, like, hang out in the head. Don't really come out. Don't really do anything, just function. So yeah. is that what an NPC does? Just functions the campaign? Sort of. Uh, sometimes you need a boat captain, right? Yeah. Because nobody else in the crew knows how to pilot a boat to get That's to the next place. That's a lot of responsibility, though. Yes. Being a boat captain. My favorite is when you are working on going across the sea, and your boat captain says, All right, looks like there's a monster ahead. And y'all get ready, right? Because mm-hmm. you're ready for land fighting. It's like, yeah, let's go. All of a sudden, a big squid arm comes up and smacks on the deck. What are you going to do? Mm, well, Ocean, my alter ocean, would probably um be like, Ooh, my friend, don't you touch him. Me, I'd probably freak out and hide in a corner. Luke would probably be like, Let's kill it. And okay. then Devon would probably be like, hit it with fire. That might help. Uh, and then Ocean. It's a water creature. And then, you know, then Ocean would get upset with Devon. And then there'd be a fight. Yeah. Okay. So, basically, Ocean would try to use... Uh, Perspective? Perspective? No. Animal handling. Ah, yeah. Ocean is like his secretors. Yeah. He's a beautiful side. Uh, there's a way that you can actually... There's a spell to let you communicate with animals. I'd want my character to have that. And you could try to communicate with it. So you would spend your first round trying to communicate with it. Whereas me... Uh, I would jump in the water. Well, it wouldn't technically be me. See, that would be my problem when playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I don't think that all my altars that are, like, normal fronters would actually agree with a course of action, which would make it kind of difficult to play the game. Like, you know, if you had... If I was co-con with Rosemary, and this was happening... She just sparkled the damn thing and go on about her business of being a princess. Okay, but like I was saying, I'm one of the people that would jump in the water and try to find out if it, you know, use telepathy and see if it's intelligent or what have you. Because sometimes when a monster attacks a boat, it's only doing it because it's either being forced to or because you need to pay tribute in order to get by. And other times it's just a stupid monster that wants to attack. But that's usually when a DM doesn't have a good story to go with it. But 
again, it all depends on what your DM has planned. What See, if you don't like your DM? What if you wanted to play this campaign super bad? You were really into it, and then you got a shit DM. Excuse my French. That was pretty good English, in my opinion. You got one that doesn't want to participate, doesn't want to have anything to pull into the story. But I think, when I think of Dungeons and Dragons, I think of it as a whole bunch of people role-playing. And they're creating a story, but without writing it down. Yes. That's what I think. And personally for me, that's too hard for me to do. I'd prefer to role-play on the internet and actually see my story play out so that when I come back the next day or so that I know where I left off. Okay. That's where the case of taking notes comes into play. But what if you lose your notes? Like your cat pisses on them or something. Excuse my French. Again, pretty good English. Next time, might need a bar of soap. Ah! (laughs) Anyway. Basically, if that happens, hopefully someone else was taking notes too. Okay, let's say that they were taking notes. But they did it in their language to make it to where their character got away with stuff. And then your DM didn't take notes. And then everyone that took notes, the notes don't add up. Okay. A good DM takes notes. A crap DM just throws a story together and hopes people remember it. And they have no real guideline. Besides, okay, I want them to get to point B, and we're all the way over here at point A. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> okay, so you're saying, okay, so a for me, I believe that a good DM would be like, okay, week one, okay, so our storyline is we're going to be trying to find the ultimate queen of glitter. Okay, Rosemary. I have Rosemary in my head talking to me at the moment. So she's the ultimate queen of glitter. And you're building your characters and all that stuff on your first week. Your second week, you're going to start your mission. Now, do you. Is it better to actually draw out the campaign throughout like a month or longer? Or is it better to get it short and simple? I personally like one that's going to take a while. Because, I mean, the current one that I'm in right now has been going on for... Almost a year, I think. No. Maybe six months? Six months. Yeah, because you were doing it before my mom passed away. And she's almost passed away for a year now. But, uh... I've built up this character, and I'm going to hate to see this character die, but I don't see this character fitting into anybody else's campaigns ever. So, she's going to go out in an epic way. Okay, so I have another question. Yes? Is there anything specific that you need, or you can buy, that can help you in your campaign? 
<laughs> well, uh, if your DM has maps and things like that, you can buy miniatures. What's a miniature? It's a little figurine. Now, do you need to custom make that, or can you just buy just one off the shelf? You can get a random one off the shelf that looks similar to what you're after, or you can go to Hero Forge. And we're not sponsored by them, guys. Well, we're not sponsored by Wizards of the Coast D&D either. But no, we're not. We're just reviewing, guys. But uh, Hero Forge is actually where I got my latest miniature. And I'm very proud of her. That's why I hate to see this campaign coming to an end. Because it's highly doubtful that Amethyst is going to survive. I mean, she's the one that's always up in something's face going, Hey you! Want a hump? (laughs) So, yeah. And she's not the... Well, she's actually pretty smart, but she acts stupid. And that's the beautiful part of her. I mean, she's a master crafter, and yet I can take any situation and make it hilarious or inappropriate, whichever way you want to take it. Is it better to have a inappropriate tension breaker than just boring? Uh, that's usually why I have my inappropriate moments, is because when something's going a little, hey, this is too plain, I make my character say or do something inappropriate. What's an example? Ooh, uh, we were in middle of a really important discussion with the king. I didn't know he was a king. But he was just yammering on about, hey, we have to go here, we have to defeat this person, we have to... And I looked at him, and I I was like, okay, what's his description? And they described him to me, and I was like, okay, hey man, you're pretty sexy, you want a scrog? And out of nowhere, the DM says, okay, roll a d4. I'm like, okay. So, I roll a 1 on the d4. And he says, okay, so his wife, who is pregnant and cranky, throws a battle axe at your head. Cool. I try to catch it. (laughs) So I roll a d20, and I wound up getting, I think, a 14 or a 15. So I didn't catch it, but I was trying to catch it in my bag. So it wound up getting a little cut, and I was like, oh, crap. And I fixed it up right away. Uh, but it was just the point of, uh, the king looked at me and said, um, um, no, no, not really. And what I was really hoping for was, uh, a persuasion check because my character has a really high charisma. What's charisma? It's charisma. What's that? Charisma is what you use to determine how persuasive, how sexy, how attractive someone is. I'd get a nap one on that. <laughs> Hands down. 
it's a skill. Uh, you don't get a nat one on that. You can roll for a skill and get a nat one on the skill that you're trying to perform. Uh, but my character has a 20. And a 20 gives you a plus 5. What's what's a plus 5 for? Come on. I don't know what that means. It's to go towards your skill. <laughs> Yeah, that's a nat 20 on good looking. <laughs> now. Okay, so. Um, Is there anything else you want to tell people about Dandy? Yes. Well, go ahead. In my personal beliefs, it's easier to play a spellcaster than it is a melee person. Why do I believe this? No. Okay. Well, you can say that first. Well, I believe it because you can keep your distance mm. as well as do a lot of damage. What do you think of that game that's on the PlayStation Network? I think it's on other platforms too, but I know about the PlayStation Network. It's called, I think it's, uh, what's it called? You mean Neverwinter? Yeah, that game. What do you think of that? Does that give you the Dungeons and Dragon feel or not it really? It gives you somewhat of a Dungeons and Dragons film. So when your wife, who is me, kicks your behind in it because her rogue likes to get up close and personal, is that how the rogue would do it in a live tabletop D&D game, or would it be different? Depends on the situation. Nine times out of ten, most people play rogues all as a... Uh, Action they use hide, so that they that can do. Lame. It sounds lame, but it's actually really effective for the fact of they can do a move called sneak attack, which does one d six per level. I would rather just be up and close and personal, get up in their face and be like, "Bitch, you can't win." Language. Stop putting notifications of language in this. <sighs> okay. See, if you're not all hide-and-seeky with a rogue, you want a multi-class. Do you know what multi-class is? Nope. Okay, it's where you start out as one class, and then you split off into another class. That sounds difficult. It is difficult, but yet it is also way too easy. Hmm. I have another question for you. Okay. What got you into Dungeons and Dragons? My mom. Talk about it. I think the first time I ever saw Dungeons and Dragons was when I was six, maybe seven. And my mom gave me my first little pewter figurine. Pewter? Yeah, pewter. It's a soft metal. Okay, okay. Uh, but that's what the original little miniatures were. Oh, the, the, that little baggie that you got that you told me not to touch around a quant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, uh... <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. 
they are some of them you can find and they're really really rare because mm-hmm. they do make pewter figurines nowadays but there's some from the classics that are worth a lot of money um, but it's not about the money for you no you would never sell any of your figures no I I got started because she saw that I was having problems with my ADHD. And Dungeons and Dragons helped you with your ADHD? Yes. Would you recommend it for other parents if they didn't want their kids to go on medication for it? Yes, I would. Because it it's a game that you have to focus or else you lose the story. But what if the kid has anxiety, too? Such as I have anxiety. But I also have paranoia. Would D&D be something good for me? There's a screen that you can actually get. So that you can pop it up around yourself and nobody can see you. It's mostly used for DMs. But... I've seen people with extreme cases of anxiety use it for themselves. And the only time they peek around the corner is when they roll their dice so that other people can see their dice. And that's the way one of my friends had to play for about a year and a half before she was comfortable with speaking in front of people. But she started off uh, writing notes behind the screen and handing it out so that someone else in the group would read it. And if we didn't read it in the right, like, tone or, um, you know how you can say, have a nice day, and it doesn't have the same effect as, have a nice day. Or, have a nice day. Right. You just... If you didn't read it the right way that she wanted, she was like, no, 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 put more sass in it or be more kind, you know. It was just funny. And uh, the first time she ever spoke was while she was behind the screen. And we couldn't read what she wrote because her pen went out. I was like, "Uh, what's this say? Can you write it again? It says, it says, yell it at them. I'm like, did, did you talk? Was was that you talking? Yes. Can 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 you can you say what your character was gonna say, the way your character was gonna say it? Get out of my cave, or I'll cut your throat. <laughs> I was like, that is awesome, <laughs> cause she had such a high squeaky voice. The Diem come came running in there, and he was like, "I stepped out for just a moment to get something to drink. What I miss?" She spoke, <laughs> and he was like, "My niece finally spoke." He sat down and like, "Okay, so what I miss? What did she speak?" If you didn't hear it, you didn't need to hear it. <laughs> He's like, "That rule only applies when y'all." are listening to me. If you didn't hear it when I was speaking, you didn't need to hear it. But it's a two-way rule. If you didn't hear it, you didn't hear it. 
So, what is particularly, in your view, what is one con to tabletop D&D? One con? Mm-hmm. If you have more than one, that's fine, too, just so people can be aware. Mm. Sometimes people can't separate their character from themselves. Uh, this is meant to be played as a different person that you want to be, not as yourself. If you're playing it as yourself, you take things more offensively. Like me, I could totally despise someone's character. And like the heck out of them in real life. Or vice versa. I could hate the way they play their character, but love their character. What's one thing that annoys you when you go to tabletop D&D and there's people there with you? I would have to say when they metagame. What is that? Uh, taking information that they find out outside of the game into the game. Like, say you find out that we're going to be going up against a blue dragon or something like that, right? So then... think of Yu-Gi-Oh. And the blue-eyes white dragon! Kaiba, don't play that! Kaiba plays it anyway! Okay. (laughs) But, as I was saying... Then that's where you leave off that session. Okay, so you go into the cave and you look up and you see treasure everywhere and then all of a sudden there's a blue dragon eyeing you. What are you doing in my cave? And that's where we end it for the week. And you're like, what, what, but we we just got there. Why would you start it? Why would you end it there? I mean, why wouldn't you just continue playing if you can? Ah, that's the thing. What if you're on a schedule? I don't care if you're on a schedule. You don't leave in cliffhangers. It's just the same with TV shows. You don't leave in cliffhangers. It's like those animes that you watch. You don't leave it on a cliffhanger. Come on, guys. You guys have the money. But that's how you get people to come back. I would come back because I just invested my money in the game. Buying the dice in the handbook. Yeah, some people get bored with it because there's no cliffhangers. Because there, oh, okay. Uh, so guys, you walk into a room. There's treasure everywhere. There's a dragon. Dragon looks at you and says, "What are you doing here?" Okay, roll initiative. And if you're not fully prepped, okay. So, Dragon takes first move, you're all dead. But that also gets you, like... The metagaming, where people go, and they do research, and then they come back, and they're... Okay, I use this spell because this dragon is weak against this. How do you know? Has your character faced one of these before? Uh, no, but I heard about it from a guy at the tavern one time. A good deal will tweak his monsters so that it's not a normal type that you you can easily research. Like, you could get the gist. 
but then they can turn around and say, okay, uh, no, that doesn't work that way because I'm the DM, I say so. Okay, so what do you think about if you're playing a campaign and someone goes to sleep? Kick them. Oh, I mean, uh, be really nice and say, hey, guy, it's your turn. But does that throw off when you're playing in the game? And you have to wake the person up. Oh, yeah. Does it throw it off and make it a little bit harder to jump back into it? Yes, because then you got to do a whole recap of, hey, you missed this, this, and this. Or you could be a real prick like I do, and I'm like, whap! Wake up. Sure go. What happened? Look at the field. And everybody else tries to tell them, uh, no. If it was important, he would have been awake. What about... Sleeping disorders? No. What about snacking during the game? Like the crunching sound of the food. Does that throw off for you as well? Or like drinking? Drinking, not so much. Eating, I try to... I personally try to do it only when we're in the middle of battle. This way, it's a conversation that's not going to be overrun by everybody else. It's one person talking to the DM about what they're doing during their turn. Okay, but is there pros and cons about having a room full of people? I mean, do they just talk over each other? Yeah, people talk over each other all the time. Uh, unless you put into uh, like into place a, uh, a a talking stick or it's your turn, you can talk type of thing. Yeah, but that's not always going to work. No, it's not. But the good news with a talking stick, if it doesn't work, oh, you're talking during my turn. Okay, so. Too violent? I'm sorry. No. So you've been playing D&D over your computer for the past few weeks, and you have a cat. How is your cat interfering with your D&D? She's unplugged the internet once. She stepped on the controls several times. What about your dice? Does she try to steal them? We don't speak about the evil cat. How about we sitting on the book? Sitting on the book is a normal thing for that cat to do. Every time I'm trying to... Okay, so I'm going to be doing this next... um, I'm going to take this action on my next turn. And I lay the book down long enough... To get something to drink, and cat lays on book. Try to get cat off book, cat cuts book. Come on, cat. No! Evil cat. So, is there anything else you want to add in about Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. Well, go ahead. It's good to have multiple ideas for characters pre-built. Why is that such a good idea? I mean, isn't that more time-consuming? Uh, it is, but if you have them pre-built, say your character dies mid-combat, right? Yeah. And you want to start again right away. Well, if you don't have a character pre-built, you're going to have to build that character while you're doing combat. So that means... As soon as you get done building your character, they're going to throw you into combat. Okay, 
that's good, but if you just threw it together, you don't really know what all you want to do with it, so you don't pick the right stuff. Have you got a side character other than Amethyst? No, it's Amethyst. Why do I need a side character? It's Amethyst. I don't know. I mean, you're saying that you need to have side characters, and so... I want to build a new character, but I have to talk with my DM about certain things I have to pan out. Like, I really want it to be uh, someone who's fallen in love with Amethyst and is trying to find out where she's going so he can try to keep her safe. Oh, so you're going to do a male? Yes. Hmm. Yes, I know. That's very rare for me. Lame. 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 <sighs> but I want to do a creature called a grung. Sounds lame. It is a uh, basically a tree dart frog. And they're different colors. And they have different abilities for each color they are. So I've got to figure out what color I can be, or if the DM will even let me be a grung. So, it, and then if he won't let me be that, then I've I got to find other things that I can be. I don't want to be the typical human. I don't want to be a dragonborn. I don't want to be a tiefling. I, I've been all those. The only thing I haven't been. So. As I'm understanding, the key thing is to have communication between you and your DM. Yes. Because one of the reasons that I believe I'm so good with Amethyst is because I go over everything meticulously with the DM. I'm like, okay, so I'm creating this new spell, and I want it to do this. Okay. He said that that was too powerful the first time I made it. Uh, And we tweaked it, and I think it's way more powerful now than it was the first time through. But he allowed it, and I was like, okay. And you're sure I can do it like this? And he's like, yes. I was like, okay. So the first time I ever used that spell in combat, he's like, I regret saying you could use that spell. And everybody else is going, I want that spell. Can I have that spell? I said, do you know how to do that spell? No, I can't find it in the player's handbook. I made that spell. I have the components for that spell. If you want that spell, you have to talk to Amethyst and she will teach it to you. But it's a matter of when you try to make a new spell, it's literally trial and error in game, not just outside of game. Uh... But that's what I love. I love making characters that try to build like armor, potions, art, you know, just a craft. Well, guys, you've heard it here firsthand from Nanase. A few things about Dungeons and Dragons. Wait. If. I'm not done yet. If this does good. We will do a part two. If it doesn't, then you guys don't have to hear us re-ammer about it again. Wait, 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 wait. I really had high hopes to do a podcast about 
how being an annoying character can actually liven up things. Well, I guess, I mean, fine. You got a few minutes left. Go ahead. Okay. So, I'm just going to give y'all a real quick run-through about what I think is really good. If you're going into a campaign and you know that you're going to be with a party that is mostly good characters, don't play an evil character. It's a good way to get your character killed. But, if you play a chaotic good character, you can still be annoying and get away with things. Uh, a good example of this is uh, a paladin wants to heal a town. Sounds great. You want to help the town, but the way you help the town is by uh, extorting money out of them in order to help them. This way, you don't seem like a goody-goody. And you can seem more like a business person. And even if it's only like two or three gold that you're requesting for this big task, it's it's important to a chaotic good character for the fact of uh, I'm out for myself and the greater good. But I'm going to do it my way. Because that three or four gold that you get to help the village... You can then turn around and spend it on weapons and stuff and randomly donate them to the village. It's really crazy, hence the chaotic. Everybody thinks that you're doing it just to profit for yourself when in fact you're doing it to help out the village. And then there is also the case of neutral chaotic neutral you do whatever you want whenever you want whether it helps you helps the party or harms the party you're doing it for yourself like straight up if you go into a situation and you know there's a big monster at the back you can either a try to help or b which one rogue has really done go into stealth mode and go up to the monster, or the bad guy, because it wasn't really a monster, and ask the lich, if you help kill your own party members, would he allow you to live? He made a persuasion check, got a nat 20 on it, and the DM wound up rolling a nat 1. So, the Lich was so persuaded that the Lich also gave him extra power. Like, different powers to help him kill us. But he stayed in stealth mode, came back, and he lied to us and said, Okay, guys, the path is clear. I didn't see anything. And the Lich was hiding for us on the ceiling. Nobody thought to look on the ceiling because the rogue did the scouting. I learned my lesson. Don't trust the rogue. You trust my character? No, I don't. She's the goddess of bloodlust. I don't trust her. She's beautiful. I trust mine better. No. Mm. Well, guys, you've heard it firsthand here. 
we will, if this does good again, we will do some more Dungeons and Dragons stuff. He's got a couple other books that he's reading now. And we're looking forward to podcasting a couple more reviews on some other stuff. So, you've heard it here. Have a wonderful day, or night, or whatever you want to call it. Dinosaur. <laughs>